I want to say that majority of the people that are highly successful and continuously to have like consistent success have really great follow-up skills, have the sales skills and real estate consultant capacity to give them an offer without having a selfish intention. You found the Real Estate Law Podcast. Because real estate is more than just pretty pictures and law goes well beyond the paperwork and courtroom arguments. If you're a real estate professional or looking to build real estate expertise, then welcome to the conversation and discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com. And welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Law Podcast. Once again, my name is Jason Muth and we're here with uh, attorney broker Rory Gill from Next Home Title Town Real Estate and Urban Village Legal here in Boston. And hi, Rory. Hey, Jason. We have an amazing guest this week. We're really thrilled to invite Esteban Andrade onto the podcast. Uh, please, I, I'm sure I mangled your name because I, I'm not a native Spanish speaker. So <laughs> you're going to okay. have to help us out with that. And uh, Esteban is from Hustle Media. He's based down in Florida and has an amazing story to tell. Uh, he's doing some great stuff with lead generation programs and uh, marketing and social media marketing and paid search and all the ways to generate leads. And we're going to let Esteban talk a lot more about that because I'm sure that his brain just has so much stuff about lead generation in it mm. that uh, is a, a fraction of what we know here uh, on the Real Estate Law Podcast. So welcome. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me here, guys. I'm actually very excited to be. I was checking out some of your content, so it's fascinating to be here too. Uh, you make you guys make it pretty fun, pretty exciting. So this content, hopefully, that we share today can give a lot of value to people. That's uh, quite flattering because you know we're talking here about real estate law, which is one of the most boring topics in the world, <laughs> and we try to make it a little more fun. Rory's got the uh, ebullient personality where he takes the law out of the courtrooms and pushes it here into the podcast. Right. It's really least, important. Yeah. So Esteban, why don't you tell us a little bit about Hustle Media and, you know, you, uh, I asked you how to pronounce it, you know, cause I, I saw it written. I mean, I, we've been following you on, on social media and everything. And, uh, I, I didn't know that it was a derivation of the word hustle. So tell, tell us more about the company, what you're doing there, what great stuff you've been working on. Absolutely, man. So, once I started that company, I was just honestly looking for something out of the regular. When I had a uh, nine to five job, when I had a regular job, well, really, it was a it was like more of an eight to six uh, job that I had, and I was like trying to um, work my way outside of those uh, that confinement that I that I felt at the time, and. Um, it was Gary Vaynerchuk that came up with like the hustle mentality, hustle mode and things like that. You know, listening to this podcast, listening to these YouTube videos and his stuff. I just took that word and that word become very trendy at the time. It was like probably 2018. And I started a company called Hustle LLC. And um, so hustle actually is whenever, whenever you go to Google and you type the word you type hustle definition underneath the actual search, you will see that hustle is pronounced H-E-S-E-L with inverted E's. And out of that word, everything comes because I believe that everyone starts at some point grinding themselves out. 
just just going at it really really hard because no matter what it is that they actually are doing uh what they're trying to pursue pursue but especially in entrepreneurship or especially like as a business owner or just uh independent someone that is independent and doesn't really rely on a regular job are always trying to hustle themselves out and at some point they get to a like a limit where it's it, it could get them to burn out it could get them to keep working without having efficient effective and efficient uh progress so we want i wanted to create a company that kind of like moves people forward but at the same time it takes them into this let's get it smarter uh way that's where hustle media actually was born Mm-hmm. and it started with actually real estate agents uh it's actually started started with different industries but real estate agents were kind of like the first ones that that were there in my radar to 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 help in hustle so, media so you didn't start thinking it was going to be real estate that gravitated to you is real estate Correct. Raised, rose their hand first interesting yeah because hustle at the beginning was a uh, it was a brand that i wanted to do it for apparel and i wanted to have uh hustle as a as an apparel brand it's really hard to grow an apparel brand and uh just just a brand organically it's really really tough uh and hustle um started having different uh different kind of like motos so for example attitude i have a shirt right now that it's like when i started long time ago when i tried to when i tried to actually grow my brand it's attitude because i i i actually believe that everyone has to have the right attitude to move forward because there's going to be just hiccups and ups and downs when uh growing your business or growing your independent work um and you have to have the right attitude you have to be positioning yourself with the right attitude and and it was a brand for for you know for for clothing and then after that i realized how much it it actually needed I started instead of that running a hustle brand but in Amazon store. So basically it was a it was a it was a brand for for stuff in e-commerce um and it running I started running Facebook um sorry not Facebook Amazon uh FBA which is fulfillment by Amazon which it was funny it's funny because it was like one year before the pandemic and I and my product was a mask. <laughs> Good time. I know. <laughs> I know man but you know the mask started you know started selling it was like little profits here and there I had to do the fulfillment things like that and then when I was in Detroit uh Michigan before living here in Florida you know real estate was for me the kind of like that you know let's restart again like let's let's make something happen in real estate because there was just so much opportunity in in Detroit so much that when you go to Detroit uh for people that haven't gone to Detroit you go there in the city of Detroit and you see like houses that needs tons of repairs houses that are being rebuilt rehabbed houses that are burned down they just need to be turned you know turned away and 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 this area kind of gives you like this inspiration hmm i can do something here in this in real estate like i can do just something so uh detroit was really cool because 
um, there, there's so much opportunity that that it just lives around the city. And that's where I started helping real estate, like going into the real estate. Rory, have you been to Detroit? I have never had the opportunity to go to Detroit. I've yeah. been to Detroit a couple times. Everything you're saying is what I think a lot of people that don't know much about Detroit, they think about Detroit. It's always this potential, right? It's, it used to be one of the biggest cities in the United States. Like it was an economic center for the automotive industry, you know, for many, many decades. Uh, and then you drive around town and you see all these rundown properties. Uh, and it, it's not like that anymore. I mean, 10 years ago, it kind of was probably more like that than it is even today. But I remember driving in from the airport to um, the office that I was in. I think we were in Bingham Farms. That's outside Detroit, right? Bingham Farms? Uh, Bingham Farms. Is that Birmingham, maybe? Birmingham. No, I think, I, I think it was called Bingham Farms, um, but I've been in some of the suburbs there. But, you know, you can okay. kind of get there on the highway or get there navigating through some of the streets. And somehow we ended up on some of the streets and like, you're just yeah. driving by these properties, looking on Zillow on your app. And you're like, God, these things are worth nothing. Like, you know, how is the property so cheap? But, you know, there's definitely some beautiful pockets of Detroit right now. There's a lot going on. I'm a big Shinola fan, which is the, <laughs> the watch brand, right? Do you have one of those Detroit watches? No, I don't have those, but yeah, you know, I know, yeah, I I know which one. Yeah. yeah. And so, the bikes. Yeah. The bikes. Yeah. They do bikes. They do everything now. They're a lifestyle brand, just like, uh, you know, Hustle Media was going to be until you did the pivot. So, yeah. so tell us, uh, did you have any investments yourself in Detroit, like in the real the, estate world? Because go ahead. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually as a buy and hold is something that I still have to do. I think I still see a lot of opportunity for buy and hold, but mm -hmm. uh, definitely flips. So where I saw margins on doing a, a you know, rehab on a property and, and just using my partners or using contract, uh, the general contractors that manage all of this for us. Uh, and we just act as investors. Uh, we, we, I have really learned that Detroit is one of the weirdest uh, city to do real estate investing just because of how how different just areas can change from zone to zone. And, um, and you have to be very, very cautious where you put your money into Detroit. Uh, but even though it has really good gains, because Detroit has, uh, of course, different school districts. It has different uh, from one street to the other one, the prices would, you know, like, drastically increment from one, from one street to the other one, the crime rate drastically increments from uh, in different streets, you're going to see brick homes, you're going to see uh, regular, you know, modern build homes that are not necessarily brick. So it's like kind of like a little bit of a weird kind of kind of uh, tonality for, towards investing, but still uh, a growing city. And, um, and, and Detroit, had, it's, it's, it's really notorious for kind of trying to go up and rise up in the in the last uh in the last few years let's say three years five years they've been trying to really rise it up like make it make something happen for those for the the residents so it's a good place to be at like yeah that middle middle america area mm -hmm. uh it's a good place to be at i think a lot of the the conversations on real estate podcasts, you know, that probably people who are listening to this listen to lots of the other big, bigger pockets podcasts and all the other R, um, REI investment podcasts that are out there. 
But there's a lot of conversations about Midwestern cities or secondary cities, you know, like around here, it might be Lowell or Lawrence, Mass, which is a older industrial steel city that, you know, is anywhere between up and coming and already there. You know, you think of Akron, you think of Cleveland, you think of Pittsburgh, you think of Detroit, you think of yeah. all the other towns like that. And, and that's where I think a lot of people that listen to real estate uh, podcasts get a lot of investing advice because the property can be had for cheap. And then you look somewhere like here, Boston or Fort Lauderdale, you know, or Southern Florida, if you're in Miami-Dade County, forget it. I mean, that's going to be very expensive. Yeah, So t- take us to your journey to Florida. So you moved, you lived in Detroit, right? Now you yes. live in Florida. Mm-hmm. You just so wanted Detroit, to get out of it. The lions were disappointing you just that much. <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> because they lions, disappoint the everybody tigers, in Detroit. Yes. <laughs> yeah, all of them, man. So now you're down in Florida. So why, why'd you make the move? Honestly, um, Detroit was a, a city that I really enjoyed living in. However, you know, you, you're still going to find yourself in a place where there is not a lot of things to do compared to Florida. There is there is a lot of cold coming in, right? I, I just freezing and things like that. And there's a lot of opportunity to live in other places whenever you're running a virtual business. That could be just better, more comfortable, right? Like to have good weather all the time. And, and that's what uh, the rise of Hustle Media allowed me to do. So Hustle Media was you know, raised in Detroit. It, it, was, mm-hmm. it was a company made in Detroit. I lived in the suburbs of Detroit for a good while. Uh, I lived in the Royal Oak area, which is where all, all young people, all young, young lads and people that retire in Detroit, they live. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, Hustle Media really started helping real estate investors and cash buyers and agents in Detroit. Um, we really started helping them with, with lead generation. So we help them with specifically motivated sellers. Uh, we try to help them uh, having a consistent flow of motivated sellers um, through the use of social media and pay-per-click. And all of a sudden, when it grew, it, it, it allowed me to to make the jump to Florida and, and, and Fort Lauderdale is where I can also network with a lot of really great people in real estate. Uh, uh, Miami is also well known for a lot of entrepreneurs, great minds, uh, great masterminds, and it's a good place to be at, right? So in term, there's a lot of masterminds happening all the time here. So it's a good place to network as well. Uh, so that's that's where I kind of saw the opportunity to come down here, and at the same time, to make my wife happy. <laughs> so happy, <laughs> happy life, happy wife. Sorry, happy wife, happy life. Sorry. <laughs> you should you yeah. should have started with that. That that's yeah. the real reason why. It is the real reason. <laughs> yeah, her family is all located in the uh, suburbs of Miami, uh, mm-hmm. and and we had to we had to do something to accommodate her. So I I went ahead and, and did the travel to to Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Well, well, good for you. Um, that that's an amazing journey down there. Started. Uh, by your happy wife now, 
and <laughs> the virtual business that you've built up, which I want to get into and, and learn more about uh, some of your tactics of doing lead generation programs. I know Rory works with some lead generation as well. I'd love for you guys to compare notes to see kind of what what's working well or what's working better today than it is. Like what's on the upswing, what's on the downswing? Like Rory, what are you noticing with any of the lead programs you're working with? So in the real estate space, there are a lot of good choices out. Um, a lot of progress has been made. And I contrast that to the work I've done in the legal sphere where there aren't as many robust advertising, marketing, lead conversion systems that, that exist out there. And everything really tailors down to the, the individual. And I think the most important part of it is you know, the quality of the end user, the quality of the, the real estate agent um, to make sure that they are actually taking the leads that are being given to them through the hard work and systems built by other people and converting them into clients. So, you know, there are, you know, tons of great book, um, IDX tied, um, Facebook and social media systems that are out there. Um, there are, you know, great lead capture, um, options that are out there for, for, for leads to come in. But the, the challenging part I feel and where the, the money really is made is taking those leads that come in, you know, doing your work to convert them into clients. So, you know, when I look at kind of the robust offerings that uh, places like Hustle Media have, my, you know, my question is, you know, who are your ideal clients? What kind of clients are actually taking what you're giving them um, and then doing a good job on their end, converting these into clients, um, into business? Yeah, absolutely. And that is super crucial, man. I have a story to tell. For example, I have a realtor friend that recently got his license uh, here in, um, in Florida. He's only been a realtor for, I want to say five months or six months or something like that. And he went into a brokerage, into very uh, boutique brokerage that would provide him leads through City and all this little lead generation stuff that they were running. But it, it also, it, like you said, it depends on the profile of the user uh, that is going to take on these leads because this guy, my friend, uh, he was in Fort Lauderdale. Um, he is a complete, I want to say a savage. So <laughs> he's all, he like starting his first months, he will always have his phone with the app waiting for the leads to come in. He was walking his dog, you know, throwing the dog, his, the ball to his dog, but always attentive to the lead being transferred, uh, or to the lead being, um, you know, being sent to them and it would follow up in like seconds would consistently put these notifications and reminders on his follow-up system to make sure to convert that lead. And also, he knew that he he needed to be really good in sales and that person interaction. So he took this consistent sales improvement approach every single week, every single day, and, um, and understood that there was a speed to lead approach, even if the leads are being transferred to you by uh, some inside sales agent or something like that. So Hustle Media works and tends and wants to work with uh, people like that, okay? Uh, Our ideal avatar right now that is looking for motivated sellers are either real estate investors, wholesalers, or real estate investing friendly agents that are looking to get uh, motivated sellers. So the motivated sellers, as a whole, what we provide is people that are looking to sell their property regardless of the situation, of regardless of what's going on. 
Um, and these people are either being targeted on Facebook and Instagram or people that are searching online to sell their property. People that type need to sell my house fast. I need to sell uh, any cash for my home or how do I sell my house without making repairs? All this kind of stuff uh, that motivated sellers are actually searching online or being targeted with. And they come in to the pipeline where we send them over to our investor clients, wholesaler clients, or agents that are REI friendly or are also investors. Um, and they can take on that lead inquiry as soon as possible, but also provide different solutions to this uh, to these people. I want to say that majority of the people that are highly successful and continuously to have like consistent success have really great uh, follow-up skills, have the uh, sales skills and con real estate consultant capacity to give them an offer without having a selfish um, intention. That means that if a real estate investor that is also, let's say also licensed as an agent, sees that as a cash offer is not the best thing for the for the client for the prospective uh, homeowner then they would try to pivot into either acquiring the property with creative financing or um listing it on the market right so we have this uh different type of options and abilities to make not only that homeowner get through that phase that they have but also do the transaction, also do the monetization of that lead, right? So the people that are all the time closing deals and maximizing their conversion, they have the ability to either work work with their realtor uh, partners, right? So they if, if the property doesn't work as a cash offer and it's just a uh, good condition, the house is it's just better to be in this market and things like that, the investor would send it to a realtor partner, or if they're licensed, they would like they would list it themselves. Um, if it requires minor work, they will do uh, uh, something called wholesale, wholesale, wholesaling a retail property. Or if they have the capacity and they want to acquire this property through creative financing, such as seller finance or subject to the mortgage, uh, all these exit strategies. Those are the people that would eventually have a more consistent, higher conversion when getting motivated seller leads. All right. Where do you get your, your customers from? Like you have a lot of inbound marketing that draws folks in. Are you meeting them at conventions or local meetups? Is it a lot of referrals? Is it all of the above? Yeah, so I try to be, uh, I try to diversify my, my marketing as well. Um, at the beginning, it was a lot of organic uh, marketing. So I would, I would engage in a lot of Facebook groups and I would uh, try to add value, put some content about Facebook, uh, how it works, about Google Ads, PPC, how it works, how it can help real estate investors. And then I started posting free things uh, so that people get to know that I'm really willing to help people that are you know, not necessarily wanting to pay a service. And then people started to reaching out to me. All right. Then I created a system where I would, I would actually friend request people that are in these Facebook groups. Um, 
And then I would start a conversation with them. And then I would, at some point during that conversation, I would ask them if they're interested in getting inbound motivated seller leads. All right. When that conversation flips and if there is an interest, I would get them, I would get them into an appointment and we will talk about it. Now, of course, it's a more of a systemized stuff where I have um, virtual assistants or appointment setters doing that mm-hmm. for me. Uh, and I also have salespeople doing the, the consultation for it. All started majorly organic, organically like that, like just reaching out to people, also exposing myself out there in Facebook groups. And then uh, when, I, when the company started passing by like that limit of, this is just enough with organic methods. I, I cannot grow anymore or I cannot go past this revenue. Let's say, for example, it was like 60K a month. Then I started pushing with paid advertising. I started mm-hmm. pushing with, with Facebook ads and then we're going to do Google ads as, as well. So that revenue starts going up, right? Yeah. And that's, that's what we're doing right now. Yeah, playing the social game is is tough because obviously it's predicated upon people spending, and I think that people get rewarded when you spend money on Facebook and Instagram. the The reach of your posts, you know, just it goes through the roof. We, we do it. I mean, Rory does it. I do it. I mean, I I don't even do real estate full time. I mean, I work for a digital marketing company, and we sell a lot of Facebook advertising programs and manage social programs, and um, you know. Some of it's voodoo. I just say it all the time. Like, you know, I don't know if it's all working, but, you know, everyone seems to be spending a lot of money in this space. And, you know, hopefully you get more leads than bots clicking on your ads and filling out these forms, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, But, you know, like it, when it works, it works. And then when you, when you see a couple leads coming in, you know, you forget about all the leads that never came in or just kind of felt fishy. And obviously if you've been able to grow this, uh, to the level that you have, you know, and the infrastructure that you've described, uh, you know, then something must be working really well. And, 100%. and yeah, and build, building those systems out. I mean, Rory does this also. Like a lot of a lot of the, a lot of the value of a business uh, is not just the relationships that you have, but it's the systems that you've built. And you know, Rory, you could probably attest to that. And we were we were checking out one of your systems earlier today that you know had a little kink in it that I guess you worked out, but you have a lot of these kind of systems, don't you? But I mean, part of running a business is just the constantly, you know, renovating, evolving, and fixing your systems. Um, you know, and when something opens up, the pipeline opens up in the beginning. It will strain the second step of the pipeline, um, and so on. So you're, it's constantly renovating. And then, especially if you're in the the space of social advertising, um, everything changes so often. So a system that worked great in 2019. Um, with just a couple of tweaks in the algorithms won't work anymore uh, or systems yeah. become no longer available. So it's, um, you know, it's constantly changing externally and then your system is constantly trying to improve and uh, fix itself in- inside too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. I think one, one thing that I have to say is that, uh, for example, in 2018, uh, when I started doing tasks for, with real estate agents, we could have like a direct targeting in specific zip codes, specific, real estate interest or ages and things like that. Let's say, for example, Facebook and Instagram. Right now, uh, it has evolved so much that you have to go into a special category where you have to target basically based on their parameters, everyone. Now you have to become a better marketer and more creative. 
mm-hmm. uh, into how you target the people and also systemize a way that after the lead is being generated, how you can actually sift it, uh, uh, sift it through your pipeline and make sure that it becomes an actual uh, conversion, right? And um, and it has also evolved so much that now the tracking, if, you, if you're like, let's say running things to your website, Facebook is funky now tracking because a lot of uh, Apple users could opt out of being tracked. So you cannot you can you can see uh, data that it it's not it's not really uh, accurate. So you have to constantly evolve. And there's a lot of real estate uh, marketing agencies and uh, and just consultants that do lead generation for 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 realtors that they had to shift to YouTube ads. They had to um, change the way that they capture leads in Facebook and the way that they follow up with the leads after the Facebook lead is generated through call centers, through this really good follow-up systems, all right, that involves a lot of human interaction. And also uh, maybe give the opportunity to Google AdWords as well to do its thing because um, it's still it's still a very, I want, I want to say a very fruitful uh, channel to generate intent based uh, leads, right? So there is there is um, there is the shifts that that actually Rory is talking about that had to be done in the few, you know, the few years that ha- time has passed by that you had to constantly evolve that you had to constantly just uh, re reiterate that your systems are set. So that is one hundred percent something that we have to do. Yeah, and you have to stay ahead of it also, you know, or at yes. least see how it evolves. Because, you know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, I just up, upgraded to the latest iOS, you know, whatever version's out right now. And, you know, you could see how marketing um, tracking is starting to go away and becoming more difficult. Because when I opened up my mail app, I think I was able to not allow the pixels and the images to download automatically onto my device. And I'm guessing that's where a lot of the email marketing not only tracks you, but can follow you in a CRM system and, you know, like a HubSpot system or some other CRM uh, that measures how many times you opened up an email and other things that you did on a website. Yeah, I know Rory has some of those systems in place and you're able to learn more about the leads passively yeah, and not be creepy. Like you don't want to say, "Oh, I noticed that you did this two seconds ago," you know. But like you gather more information about the leads that are in your database, and you you know they start building a profile, and then the conversations that you have could be better. But you know, it is privacy is making it more difficult. The pivot is over to YouTube right now. Um, you know, it'll be to something else in a few months, and then in a few years uh, as as marketing becomes more one to one, and and just the privacy space really kicks in more. That increases the value of real human interaction um, as part of the marketing process. Um, there are no filters or um, algorithms that can change an actual phone call or an actual face-to-face meeting with somebody. Mm-hmm. That's right. It sounds like you have that covered. I mean, like we do a lot of networking in Boston. Um, you know, I know that we we host a networking group here. That you know, if you're ever uptown, up up in Boston on the same day, which would be a coincidence, <laughs> but if you are, then uh, you're more than welcome to come. Uh, but, you know, you meet a lot of people at these events and everyone's very willing to share their stories and, and talk freely and, and you'll find clients that way too. And it sounds like you're doing that as well in Florida because uh, part of the move down there was to network with um, some local investors and real estate folks, yeah. right? Tell me more about that. Yeah. 
Yeah, it just makes sense, man. Uh, in Detroit, there is a lot of meetups for sure happening and things like that. And every so often, like there will be masterminds from this real estate, uh, big real estate mastermind happening in, in that area. But here, it just happens more often. Um, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, people move. Uh, for example, real estate investors that they do business virtually or or just uh, these people that are consistently providing this massive amount of value are located a lot in Miami. There's a lot of in Arizona, for example, but there is also a lot in, in Miami. Um, and they do this type of masterminds, meetups and things like that, that I wanted to be part of. And I cannot just be like, I couldn't, I couldn't just be traveling all the time for that. So for example, we recently had a, a good meetup on Thursday, uh, last Thursday, where it was just a, a, this little, this little marketplace. And there was a lot of real estate investors. It was actually a meetup created by, uh, by this five guys in real estate investing, some of them were brokers too, but the the last meetup was by a YouTuber, uh, real estate investor as well. Mm-hmm. So it creates a lot of connections. I got to connect with some clients of mine that are also living here in South Florida. I uh, got to you know re- be able to like learn that there is a lot of realtors um, in this space that originally getting their license. Uh, that are also wanting to do wholesaling uh, because wholesaling is becoming more, you know, harder and harder for other states as they come in with regulations. So a lot of people are getting their license, right? A lot of wholesalers are getting their license. They're also mm-hmm. learning these techniques that I was talking about. So all these things is, you know, makes it exciting for me because I I'm kind of like people networker person and that I like to always be getting to know people and, and what they're doing to always be ahead of the of their game too as well. Yeah, man. You mentioned earlier the type of agent or client that you like or, or who's successful with your system. Can you go into that a little bit more? Like what are some people that are, are not successful, you know, partnering up with you guys? Like what are some of the reasons why it might not work for them? Yeah. So the first thing that everyone comes in into a lead conversion system that usually does not work is the mindset that they have towards marketing. So there's a lot of people that come in. Okay. I don't want to say a lot of people, but there is a good percentage that they come in with the wrong expectations that we had to reset them. So a lot of people, they think that this could give uh, some sort of result in one one month, two months, and that three months will be enough. Uh, they're not consistent with their marketing and they like to turn it off, turn it on pretty often, right? Kind of like this thing. Mm-hmm. Like they, it's just things, it's just something that they turn on, turn off. But the people that come in with this type of mindset, they set themselves to failure from the very beginning because they don't understand that it is a consistent approach to to generating that pipeline that gives you eventually will give you this referral based network or circle of influence that will especially when you're starting out right especially when you're just you're just start starting out marketing that it will eventually compounds to this referral and this uh jv or whatever you want to call it inbound uh, organic marketing. But at the beginning, it requires a lot of 
it requires a lot of work and consistency when marketing yourself. And and some people come in with expectations that, okay, month one, we generated this X amount of leads. This X amount of leads also require a, a follow-up. I'm still not locking up, not locking them up on the contract. Um, maybe month two come in, you locked up deals on the contract, but then since they didn't have this mindset at the beginning, they didn't allocate for the money that is required to continuously uh, market uh, month to month and on a month to month basis, right? They they don't they don't have a set allocated budget for the for at least three to six months into marketing and and they that's when they switch off or they just don't want to spend it and they don't know the importance of consistently marketing um, yourself in a you know in a very good way. Also, people that come in like real estate investors that come in, for example, and they don't understand how such a good idea it is to leverage realtors, leverage brokers in this space to generate this. Um, I want to say, uh, I, I want, I want to say this uh, strategic partnership with, with brokers, such as if, if a property just doesn't fit a cash offer and you're not budging on and on the cash offer because it's usually 60 70 percent of the uh, property value then go go out go out your way and figure out how you can actually help this homeowner that needs to sell the property by being more creative or reaching out and having a specific broker that can help you with you know list this property for your client right create a win-win scenario um, all this all these things that that people come in and in the in the program and they just think that wholesale is the thing to do and that's it it's it's a wrong mindset uh, we are evolving market is evolving market is different right now everyone is selling it you know higher than the asking price and uh, so you you have to become uh, more lenient towards these other ways to monetizing those leads right 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 that's the difference maker. Yeah. And it, it sounds like you're working with people of all types who have that level of motivation and hustle like you guys do. And man, if you follow the systems, you know, it sounds like it could be really, really successful. And it, it's a lot to navigate. I mean, like digital marketing continues to change. Lead nurturing, lead development is not easy. Um, a lot of people probably give up on it because it takes a lot of time and yeah. a lot of patience, a lot of no's. People are getting no all the time. I got a phone call today from, uh, we have rental properties up in uh, New Hampshire. I got a phone call from a 603 number and I almost always answer those because I think that there's a problem at one of the properties and you know, I'm looking for the owner of this property. Yes. Uh, are you looking to sell it? No. Do you know anyone looking to sell it? No. Like I just, I, I'm like, but he's going to get a lot of no's and he'll eventually get somebody that says yes. You know? So yeah. listen, I want to get your uh, contact info out to everybody just so we can get that, but let's just do our final wrap up first. Uh, and then we'll find out how everybody could uh, get in touch with you, Esteban. So we like to ask the same three questions of everybody uh, who comes on the podcast. Uh, we try to keep it a little bit light. Um, so hopefully you have some, uh, some great answers or thought to, um, to think about what these answers are to these questions, uh, during the course of this podcast. I know we briefed you on it earlier, kind of threw it out there when we were chatting before we start uh, recording this. Uh, the first one is if you had to speak on one subject for 30 minutes with zero preparation, like literally just go onto the stage and start talking, um, what would that be? 
<laughs> oh my god and you caught me off guard like this i will talk let's say for example about attitude honestly all right uh I, I'm, i'm a person that can come up with um with a some sort of some sort of chat about anything i can talk to a glass of water and ask them hey glass of water are you cold are you hot how's it going you know like I, i i'm that type of person that just come up with something but i would really talk about attitude and would it take me to 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 really consistently grow my business um and consistently grow myself towards all these things that are happening while while you're in entrepreneurship while you're like for example realtors realtors they're basically in by themselves right there is not a job like you have to rely on commissions so mm -hmm. uh it, it's a lot to take in and a lot of people give up when things are going wrong instead of investing on themselves when things are going wrong and that's one of the biggest things that have helped me i can't wait to hear the ted talk of you talking to a glass of water for <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, that's the opposite of R Rory. I don't know what you'd say to the glass of water, but you know, I don't know the glass, the glass of water might say more than me sometimes, but that's, <laughs> uh, Esteban, tell us something that happened early in your life or career that impacts the way that you work today. The things that happen in my life and my career that impacts the way that I do today. I want to see one of the most recent things has been a stop, stop hitting myself too hard. Mm -hmm. in the head it, it like okay. it, not literally but i have i used to have a tendency of really asking way too much about myself like and really re demanding a lot um if i was it was if i was not growing at a 30 rate every month then i would be like i should be at 50 i should be growing more i should be learning faster um and eventually deteriorate ended up deteriorating my my health ended up stressing me out, ended up uh, really uh, disconnecting me from the important stuff such as family, such as uh, eating well, exercising, all this important stuff that you have to do. And, and I think if you're doing this journey and, you, and, and you're, you're not really connecting with yourself in all those areas of your life, having a good family together, having a good, um, a good, you know, healthy lifestyle where you eat properly, exercise properly. I think you're doing it wrong um, because you're, you're going to notice it the next few months next year. All right. Um, and you, it could also just impact you mentally. That's something that I don't want anyone. I wouldn't want anyone to to go through that because i went through that um just uh, so much pressure that i put myself into and yeah i mean the the gains were good but like now i have to like back up right. a little bit right and goes back to attitude right exactly yeah. the attitude yeah and and finally what are you watching or listening to or reading these days anything anything interesting doesn't have to be real estate related or business related I just finished a show with <laughs> with my partner. Uh, the show is Netflix. Uh, I believe is um, the the Queen of Flow, but it's a Colombian it's a Colombian show that talks about singers in Colombia type. Of, and right now we're also watching. I don't know if you guys are a fan of Narcos. 
Uh, but this one is the second one that is the cartel of Cali, um, mm -hmm. not Medellin, but Car Cali. So we're also watching that one. Uh, Are you you're Colombian by descent? Are you Colombian? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I am. So, I'm sure. I'm sure you're watching it as partly real, partly fiction, and you know. Yeah, 100%. Man, it's partly real, partly partly fiction. Fortunately enough, when I was when I was born, like one year after, uh, Pablo, uh, you know, got got captured. Well, he was he 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 was he was shot and everything, and kind of like things started to like get better after that. But yeah, I want to say like 25 years ago, man, it was it was kind of like a different a difficult times down there yeah. for anyone living in in my country. Now it's good. I I tell you guys should go. I tell yeah, you guys I, should go. <laughs> I, I can't wait. It's on our list. It really is. Yeah. Um, South America. I just not been to South America yet. I've been all over the world. So is Rory. But you know, it's definitely on our short list when we could travel again. We just haven't been out of the country in a while. Yeah, you have um, to go to Medellin and you have to go to Cartagena. Yes. The, well, Cartagena, of course, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I kind of remember from Romancing the Stone back in the 80s. That was a, uh, they were always talking about Cartagena and that. But that's when it was a big drug capital. So, yeah. But I just always had that in my head. Esteban, thank you so much for this. You have to tell everybody how, how could people get a hold of you um, if they want to work with, uh, with Hustle Media or they want to just say hi to you or they're swinging through Fort Lauderdale? Absolutely. So you can always follow me on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is Estenic, E-S-T-E-N-I-C-K, Estenic. And also you can talk to me about it, whether that's social media, Instagram, Facebook, add me on Facebook, Esteban Nicolas Andrade, or go to our website at um, www.hesselmedia.com h-e-s-e-l media.com and we can have a chat about it and we can see how we can help you if it doesn't work out and it's not you know the right thing i'll definitely redirect you exactly on what to do mm -hmm. we will link up uh all of those uh social media handles and urls in the show notes for this uh so people can easily click on them and find you but esteban thank you so much i really appreciate you taking the time to uh to joining us here on the real estate law podcast Rory, thank you for, for helping steer the conversation as well. Where can people find you? I'm easy enough to find. Just look for me at urbanvillagelegal.com or nexthometitletown.com. Excellent. Well, great. Well, once again, uh, this has been the Real Estate Law Podcast. Uh, and thank you so much for listening. My name is Jason Muth, and we certainly hope that you'll listen to the next episode too. See you later. Thank you, guys. This has been the Real Estate Law Podcast. Because real estate is more than just pretty pictures. And law goes well beyond the paperwork and courtroom arguments. We're powered by Next Home Title Town, Greater Boston's progressive real estate brokerage. More at nexthometitletown.com. And Urban Village Legal, Massachusetts Real Estate Council, serving savvy property owners, lenders, and investors. More at urbanvillagelegal.com. Today's conversation was not legal advice, but we hope you found it entertaining and informative. Discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com. Thank you for listening.